Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. I have a question for all of you podcast listeners. Have you ever wondered, I mean, really wondered what it is that the people who are at the top of their game, what is it that they have? Were they born with something special? Did they pick something special up along the way? Were they born under a, you know, a lucky cloud, (laughs) right? Silver spoons, all these types of things. Were they given unfair advantage? Maybe they're smarter, taller, faster. Who knows, right? Maybe they had parents that laid it all out for them, and all they had to do is basically walk in the footsteps of others. Have you ever told yourself those types of things in lieu of basically accepting the fact that maybe you just need to improve? Have you ever actually thought that the reason that some people are successful and other people aren't successful is because the successful people are somehow cheating the system, shortcutting the system, have an unfair advantage? Do you actually believe that, for example – Millionaires in the United States are mostly inheriting their money opposed to earning it. Do you have any of these thoughts? I bet you do. And when you do, what effect does that have on your actual willingness and ability to go out and earn money yourself? So, Julie, welcome to today's show. Thank you. It's always my pleasure, and I think those (laughs) are great questions. And if people are introspective, they'll have uh, some predictable answers. It's not unusual to have those thoughts question is where you go from there and what you do with the answers. Julie, lose the headset and just use the uh, main uh, phone. So here's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the 10 secrets millionaire agents know and you probably don't. And we're going to go through these in our usual very direct tactical and practical format. And long-time listeners, you guys know Julie and I do not waste a lot of time on the fluff. We do not waste any time on the sort of the woo-woo uh, mindset or the woo-woo of anything that even remotely resembles, uh, you know, essentially pseudoscience. We are going to hit it between the eyes and hopefully give the information as you need it so that you can take action on it. And when we deliver content like we're going to do on the podcast today and probably tomorrow, the feedback we normally get from people is that they love what they're learning. And so hopefully you guys are going to experience the same thing on today's podcast. So I'm going to go through each of these points. I'm going to go through them item by item. And, um, and then Julie and I are going to talk about them and hopefully give you examples. Now, before we get to our first point, and the first point I think you guys are really going to like, it's called It's Never a Level Playing Field, and we're going to explain what we mean by that in a second. But before we get to the uh, first point, I have been getting a lot of emails and calls and questions about eXp Realty. And a lot of you guys have been, you know that Julie and I aligned with eXp Realty about a year ago, and you know that our interest in eXp Realty came after really too long and years and years of research. And the reason that we chose to align with eXp Realty was because the question that we get all the time from agents is, in essence, what brokerage should I, uh, uh, should I go with or what brokerage should I change to, especially this time of year? 
hundreds if not thousands of you because this is the most listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in the world most likely. We know for a fact it's in the United States that's true. And so in the United States, it seems like tens of thousands of you are saying, listen, what brokerage do I choose or what brokerage do I switch to, switch to or when's it time for me to choose a brokerage? Or really, at the end of the day, what is it the brokerage really is supposed to be delivering to me? And so a lot of you guys have discovered uh, EXP Realty through Julie and I. And what we're going to be doing um, is I'm going to be providing every single day direct one-on-one consultation calls for those of you who are seriously ready to join EXP Realty. And I made it very easy on you. All you've got to do is text me directly at 512-758-0206. Just text me at 512-758-0206. Now, if you're more in the EXP Realty um, curious realm, as I'm sure this also applies to tens of thousands of you, um, there is a great video that is waiting for you, and all you've got to do is text the word EXP to 31996. Text the word EXP to 31996. And when you do, you're going to be texted back a direct link to watch a really easy-to-watch seven-minute video. And the video is going to answer most of your questions. And then you're going to be getting a call from someone from our office who then um, he'll or she'll ask if you're interested in having a further conversation about eXp Realty. So it's up to really you to take action on this. If I were you, this time of year, when many of you are just getting ready to get back in the saddle and get back to work, this is the perfect time to be taking a real hard look at your brokerage situation. Now, some of you are in perfect brokerage situations, and you love what you're experiencing. That's great, good for you, but you still owe it to yourself to know what everyone's talking about. I mean, guys, eXp Realty is the fastest-growing real estate brokerage in the history of real estate brokerages. And you're seeing across the country and now in Canada – Australia and England, you're seeing that some of the top producing agents and teams and even brokerages are moving over to EXP Realty. Aren't you curious why? Of course you are. It's not the commission split, even though in many cases it's vastly better than what you're experiencing now. It's not the technology, even though pretty much in every case the technology is vastly experienced better than what you're experiencing now. Yes, there is a revenue share plan that you need to know about. Yes, there is a way for you to be given a, a, you know, stock in the publicly traded company. Yes, there are multiple streams of income that are even going to be announced later this month at, with your participation in the XP Realty. And yes, all that's there, but it's not just one thing. It's all those things together that make it so that it really is an unbeatable opportunity for agents. So if you're interested in joining EXP Realty fast, I want you to text me fast at 512-758-0206. That is my real cell phone. Please do not call. I won't answer. Please only text. If you're ready to join EXP, just text the word EXP or just text me directly to 512-758-0206. And if you're more on the gathering information phase, as many of you are, just text the word EXP to 31996. Text the word EXP to 31996. So, Julie, let's talk. This is something that point number one, and, and the topic again today, guys, is 10 secrets millionaire agents that uh, know and you probably don't. And point number one, it's never a level playing field. Now, I'm going to start out by talking about, um, I'm going to give you guys an example. When Julie and I were selling real estate, and Julie and I were just talking about this the other day as we were, when we were putting together these points, we had this great little uh, double. It was down on the street called Own Tangy Street in this highly desirable area called Clintonville. And we got a call to list the property. And we, the second we saw it, we knew we wanted to buy it. It was just one of those perfect, you know, three-bedroom, bath and a half, one of those forever, you know, you want to hold it type forever properties. So here's the challenge. Not only did we want to buy it, but we knew as soon as the word came out on the street the thing was for sale, every real estate agent, every investor, everyone in the face of the earth would want to buy it. 
So those of you guys who are selling real estate in Columbus, Ohio, you know where Clintonville is in this particular street. It's incredibly popular. So we met with the sellers, and we had – Julie and I knew we could just go in there and probably just write an offer that they couldn't refuse and buy the property. But the problem was is that we thought that that might be in conflict ultimately, at least in the sake of perceptions, for how it would look in the seller's eyes afterwards. I mean, what if the seller was at the grocery store two weeks later after we uh, closed on it, and then someone walked up to them and said, well, I would have paid you more. I mean, those types of things. Even though legally and arguably ethically, we didn't have to go above and beyond to make it a level playing field, we did. Jules, you're making some noise, please. So here's what we did, is we actually, um, we, were, we put it in the MLS, and we put it, uh, we gathered offers, and then we sent one counteroffer back to everybody, and we disclosed to them that the listing agents were also interested in purchasing the properties, and that everyone, including the listing agents, Tim and Julie Harris, needed to submit their best and final offer by a certain day time, and then we'd leave it up to the sellers to decide, and that's what we did. I think we ended up sending the seller like a dozen offers. Yes, we saw the offers. We knew what the other offers were, but that's what I mean. This is driving home to the point but here's what julie and i did we made our best and final offer and we got and we sent it to the seller first and then we got all the other offers after so that we then wouldn't be able to see what the other offers were and change our offer so it was more competitive because we knew someone would accuse us of doing that well we didn't do it we put our offer together it was our best and final offer that made sense to us we gathered the other offers we did net sheets and everything we sent it to the seller guess whose offer the seller took ours and it was the best offer of all of the offers for all different reasons other, you know, in addition to the price. Now, we went above and beyond to make it as a level playing field as we could. And guess what still happened? Somebody filed a complaint. The next-door neighbor who wanted to buy it filed a complaint. And, yes, she'd submit an offer, and she tried to lowball. So she filed a complaint. We had to go down to the Division of Real Estate and answer the complaint. And the investigator said, you guys went above and beyond, and, you know, you did nothing wrong, no problem, no no problems whatsoever. Now, from that experience, and this was after maybe our second or third year in the business, from that experience, we always applied that technique to virtually everything else we're negotiating on to a certain extent. And here's to the extent which we stopped worrying about it. We would go on listing presentations, and we would have our pre-listing kit organized. We would have our scripts memorized. We would have our presentations down. We would know how to overcome objections. We'd know how to price. We'd know how to present. We'd know how to do everything at a very high level because we worked our asses off to get there. No one gave it to us. Julie and I learned it all. And we learned it a lot of times because we were mentored by some of the best agents in the world. This was way before coaching. We would shadow agents, and you know these are all things we could talk about at another time. But what we did is when we went on listing presentations, we would not – even remotely accept that anything other than 100% success rate was acceptable. And so that's what we started doing. We made everything better, faster. And a lot of what you guys are getting in the coaching program has since been refined, not just by Julie and I, but also by all the coaching clients that have come after us that are using the same content. So if someone came out with a better idea with one of the particular USPs in the pre-listing pack, than what we had or in an evolution of an idea we had, well, of course we changed it. So the, uh, the end all is the product that you guys received now. It's pretty much the best of the best. It's something we're extre- extremely proud of, and that's what you get with our premier coaching program, by the way. So if you want to know more about our premier coaching program, by the way, just go to timandjulieharris.com and just pull down on the coaching tab, and you can read about it. And we do offer for January and I think February, we're working with a lender that will actually get you into the um, – premier coaching program, no matter what your credit is, with no money down, every single one of you can get into our coaching program for, I think it's like $100 a month. So you definitely want to look into that. 
just go to timandjulieharris.com. Or you can also uh, just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. So how do we, let's expand on this idea that there's never a level, a, playing, a level playing field. What eventually started to happen is Julie and I, and I know this sounds arrogant, but it's true, we wouldn't lose listings ever. And then there, would be, there was a time in the various markets that we dominated where if another agent was competing against us, we had sellers say that when the other agents knew that they were competing against us, they would cancel their listing appointments, right? So we had awesome. earned – it was. We had earned an unfair advantage in the marketplace. Nobody gave it to us. Now, here's the funny thing that started to happen. is we started getting pressure from other brokers and other agents that we were too successful. This happened. <laughs> that we were too dominant. That somehow we were doing something wrong. Somehow we were doing something unethical. Somehow, somehow. Because we were beating agents on their home turf. We were beating agents because, you know, all the normal reasons. So it's because the sellers were choosing us over the other agents because simple, stupid things. When they called originally to talk with us about listing their house, we either answered the phone or called them back immediately. We fully pre-qualified them. We knew what we were doing. We were professionals. And the other agents were so used to just getting business from, you know, centers of influence and past clients. I showed up with my yellow tablet of paper, and I didn't have a presentation. Yeah. I didn't, you know, the normal agent but, routine. Do you remember but, even uh, when we first used 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE? Oh, that must be illegal. It's unfair. You know, they're cheating. Something's wrong. We, they tried to get us in trouble over that. No, it's, it's not a, an unlevel playing field. You too could have been using it. But their go-to stance was not that. It was, it's not fair. It was that whole victim mentality that we coach you guys against. That's right. And now, here, let's expand on this idea. Let's just say you're like me, and you're not six feet tall. You're not a natural, natural athlete. You decide you wanted to be a Formula One driver. You wanted to be a, a basketball player. You wanted to do something that was going to require any sort of athleticism. Not me. Am I supposed to somehow think that the NBA or Formula One is going to lower their standards so that I can somehow compete? Doesn't make sense, does it? Even me saying that sounds so stupid, doesn't it? Well, guess what, guys? That's the same thing that happens in the real world. Anytime you start thinking that I'm not winning because it's not a level playing field, you lose because guess what? It's not a level playing field ever. Most, if not all, the most successful agents that I've ever come across in my life were not born with a silver spoon. They were like Julie and I. They had to pull themselves up from their own bootstraps. They did not come from some sort of gentrified background. They were not uh, coming out of Harvard. You know, this is real estate on a, for the most part, is not a career path that, you know, people choose, it sort of chooses them or they fall into it. These are all facts. Okay. So, you know, when Julie and I wanted to get into this business, we had no background in real estate. We had really no background in formalized selling. We had to learn it. We gave ourselves an unfair advantage, but as capitalists, who, are, who know that their future is dependent on their ability to uh, you know, satisfy the needs of their sellers and their buyers, in our case now our coaching clients, we do not want it to be a level playing field. We want to have an unfair advantage. So we do work harder. We do do this podcast every day. We do provide you guys incredible value for the coaching program. We do go above and beyond. You know, I give out my cell phone number for God's sake. You guys realize how many texts I get? But why are we doing that? Because we want to earn the right to be your coaches. And so it's not a level playing field. If you're competing with us in the coaching realm, you're toast. Just like you were if you were basically competing with us when we were, uh, when we were in real estate. This is a mindset. And if, when in real estate, if someone would beat us or someone would take a listing from us in a competitive situation, we were going to figure out why. 
We are going to ask the seller why they hired this other agent. What a lot of you guys will do, and I hear this even from my great coaching clients when they don't take a listing, is you start to rationalize. You lie to yourself. You start saying, well, they must have had a personal relationship. So what if they did? They must have somehow had some kind of familial connection. So what if they did? Maybe they were this different religion and the seller and the agent they hired were both that particular religion. So what if they did? You still should have been able to take that listing. You still, still should have won every time. That's the mindset. And as soon as you start accepting the fact that it's not a level playing field, then what slides in after that? You allowing yourself to lose, and then it becomes habitual. That's what happens. And then years pass, decades pass, and then, it, you know, the train has left the station. That's what happens. Julie, any thoughts as I was rambling on? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to embrace the fact that it's not a level playing field ever for any reason. So you've got to get the upper hand. How do you do that? It's called being competitive. You know, I think personally, and this will sound self-serving, of course, but I really truly believe that it's coaching that levels that playing field. If you keep losing listings and you don't know why, a coach is going to help you figure that out and start winning listings. So I, I think that that's what it comes down to is you have to level your own playing field. Take control of it. That's exactly right. All right, so let's get to the next point. First of all, point number one is never a level playing field. Never allow yourself to be the victim. Always take responsibility. Point number two, you guys like these points? I bet you do. Not all of you do, and I know some of you don't, because you're saying to yourself, no, 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 Tim. (laughs) I didn't take those last three listings because blah, 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 blah. No, you didn't take those last three listings because the seller thought the other agent was better than you. You lost because you didn't earn the right to be their listing agent. Ultimate responsibility here, guys. Isn't that an interesting paradigm shift for so many of you who basically have adopted this lifestyle of giving yourself hall passes and making it too easy on yourself to fail? Isn't that fascinating? How many people in your life are just there to cushion the blow? That's not what a great coach does, by the way. You don't need a great coach to cushion the blow. You need a great coach to say, hey, that hurts like hell. You're going to do that dumb thing again? Well, you failed. You really lost that one. That one got by you. Let's figure out why so it doesn't happen again. Not, oh, come on, Bob. Let's make, let's feel, let's give each other group hug. Let's hug it out. (laughs) It's not your fault. Guys, get the difference. This is what we deliver. Point number two. Oh, man, I hate this point. I hate this point. Everything worth having will take longer than you think it should. Don't quit too soon. This is, I hate this point. It just, I just do. And because it's so damn true. And depending how big the goal is, it can be years longer than you think it'll take. You know, you think you're going to lose those, you know, 30 pounds in six months. It's probably going to take the whole year. But don't give yourself a whole year. Give yourself the six months. You did the first thing right. But when you miss the goal, if you miss the goal, don't beat yourself up. Just keep pushing forward. Everything takes longer than you think it should. And it's not this, it, it's your ego that tells you that somehow you shouldn't have to put as much effort. So here's the thing about building momentum, and this is an analogy, Julian, I came up with years ago, and I've seen this adopted, or shall I say stolen by other people, but I don't care. You know what? This is good for the public domain because it's a good analogy. It explains momentum better than anything else that you, know, you can intellectualize about because you all have had this experience. You're, sitting at, you're, you're deciding you want to fly down to Puerto Rico to visit Julian and I. Okay, we're doing our mastermind, right? Going to do a mastermind sometime in the next 90 days probably, and you know, we're going to have some of you fly down, and you're going, to be, you're going to go through the stages of thinking about it. Oh, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? 
I heard Puerto Rico is, you know, living in the dark ages, or you're going to have all this Mickey Mouse going on in your head. Then finally, you're going to say, <laughs> finally, you're going to say, I'm going to Puerto Rico and I'm going to spend, you know, two or three days with Tim and Julie and I'm going to get my act together. And, okay. That's going to happen. Now, then you're going to go through the stage of, okay, you're going to buy your ticket. You're going to go through the reservations. You're getting ready to get started. This is all the preliminary stuff, the getting ready to get started. Then you're going to maybe buy some new clothes. You're going to get your hair cut. You're going to make yourself look nice. You're going to buy some new – who knows what? More getting ready to get started. Then you're, on the day of the trip, you're going to go to the airport. You go through all that fiasco. You know, you're going to have a nice little grab from TSA. All that's part of nice modern-day travel. So you're now sitting on the plane. You're sitting on the plane, and you're looking out the window. Let's say you decide to splurge, and you're in first class. So you can pretty much see everything. You can see the co-pilot getting out and making sure the wings are still there or whatever it is that they act like they're doing. And then you can watch them loading up the luggage and loading up the food and loading up the da, 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 da. You're just watching the whole thing. The fuel guys hustle around. If you're coming from one of the frozen states up north, then you're also probably watching them de-ice the plane the whole process. And if you're in first class, by the way, you're probably maybe thinking about taking a little sedative in the form of a glass of wine. Don't do it too early in the day. Okay, so at least that's how Julie travels. All right, so you're sitting up there. You're watching everybody getting ready to get started. And this whole process has taken, in many cases, months just to get to the point where your ass is on that plane. Have you ever thought about that? All the getting ready to get started just to get you on that plane has taken months. And then what happens? Now we're going to pivot. We're going to pretend you're the pilot. Okay, so you're the, you were the passenger, now you're the pilot. So same thing, now you're the pilot. Now you're in the, the captain's seat. You got your cool Ray-Bans on, you got your, you know, your cool hat on, you got your everything, you know, it's good. So you know that you have, and, and have you, this is an interesting thing about runways that Julie and I have always noticed, is that runways, no matter where you're taking off in the world, in some places it's, this is really scarily true, they never seem to make the damn things long enough. Have you ever noticed that, guys? I mean, there would be one exception, and that would be the airport in Colorado. But other than that, they always seem to put buildings in trees, in cliffs, and all these dumb things at the end of runways. So the pilots know that they have to basically obviously clear the end of the runway or that's not going to be good. So the pilot, you're sitting in the plane. Everything's loaded. You're looking, you know, you're, you, from the Pastor's perspective, I just gave it to you guys, can relate to that easier. Now you're the captain, okay? Now you're the captain, and you know you're ready to throttle up. So you, you, the plane is going, and then you tax out on the runway, and you push the throttle down, you know, and all of a sudden the you know, plane starts gathering speed, gathering speed, gathering speed, and it start, the front landing gear is up, and now the back landing gear is up, and the plane is shaking, and just all these things are going on, all these noises, you know, it's, all this stress and all this constant, just everything. It's just happening. You guys have all been in that situation, right? Now, what happens then is the pilot obviously has to give it enough throttle, and that throttle then has to, you know, go essentially and have enough force to lift the plane off the ground, not just clear the end of the runway, but then get up to cruising altitude. Typically, where I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but they'll have the initial you know, ascent, and then they'll level off, and another initial ascent, then they'll level off. It just depends on where the, where the, you know, where they're going, what direction they're going, other traffic that's going on. It also depends, obviously, on the weather and all this other good stuff. So you're now the pilot, and here's what a lot of you guys do. You know, from a passenger's perspective, you got all your stuff ready. You were sitting on the plane. What if, by the way, you got into the point where you're sitting on that plane, and you, all your stuff was loaded. You were looking out the window, and you say, you know what? Screw it. This isn't the right plane. I'm just getting the hell off this plane. You know, the door hasn't quite closed yet, so you can get off the plane. And then you go back home and you've got to do it all over again, okay? Now, 
from a pilot's perspective, let's say the same thing. You basically are essentially in the plane. You're ready to take off. Before you actually start taxiing down the runway, you say, ah, you know what? I'm out. I'm not even going to bother. Same thing. Two examples of quitters. Now, let's just say you're the pilot. You say, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take off. I'm going to actually clear the end of the runway. Uh, but you know what? I am just not feeling it. This is way too much work. This plane's making all kinds of ruckus. I'm just not in the mood for it. Turns the plane right back around and lands again. And this cycle happens over and over again in all of our lives. As passengers, we get ready to go on this wonderful trip where we're going to learn a bunch of things. And then right before the plane takes off, we decide to get off the plane. As a pilot, we, you know, again, whatever example you can relate to, you are essentially in a commanding seat where you can make this plane go up to cruising altitude, but you give up before even it gets there. Now, let's just say you're the pilot, and let's say you know you want to get up to cruising altitude. Well, here's what happens. On the way, you, you cleared the end of the runway. You're actually gaining altitude. You're going up to whatever your 30,000 feet or whatever it is, cruising altitude. And what do you decide to do? Before you get to cruising altitude, as a passenger, you're, the plane is still kind of you know, unsettled getting to where it's going to go. And then at cruising altitude, you guys notice how things get easier? Okay, that's the cycle that we experience in life in general, too. Once, you're, once you put in the effort and you get to cruising altitude, then obviously the plane doesn't need as much fuel and the pilot can pull back on the throttle. And that's what happens. That's cruising altitude. That's when you have momentum. But what, again, so many of you will do as pilots of your own plane is you'll actually cut back on the throttle. You won't ever get to cruising altitude, and guess where you end up, right where you started. In many cases, worse than where you started. This is, again, the cycle of most people's lives, not just real estate people. In other words, it takes too long in your mind. Your ego is telling you it's taking too long for you to learn how to prospect. Your ego is taking, telling you it's taking too long for you to fill in the blank. Well, A, hire a damn coach that's going to teach you how to get there faster, obviously. But B, stop doing all the gimmicky crap that you guys are so addicted to. We're going to talk about that more in the podcast in the next couple of days. But really, accept the fact that everything worth having in life takes longer than you think it should take. You're no, you don't have enough, and neither do I, by the way, life experience to know approximately how, much, how long most things should take to accomplish. I mean, maybe you know like certain things, but you don't know how long it takes, for example, to be a millionaire. You have no gauge of that. What are you going to do? Read Instagram posts? Go to Facebook, right? Read some books? What are you going to do? You don't have any real experience, and so you give up too soon. Or you allow the negative gravitational forces of all the people that, by the way, again, talking more about this on the, on the couple, next couple of days, all the, all the people around you who absolutely don't want you to succeed at the highest level, they want to pull you back into the bucket. They want to make it so that you stay small like they are. You're not really balancing out your effort against all the people that are trying to pull you down and keep you down. These are all things that all of us experiences. We're trying to ascend wherever our present situation in life is. So you've got to relate to either the pastor or the pilot because you're both. You are the person going on the ride, but you're also the person flying the plane. And if both cases, you're not ever allowing yourself to put in enough effort, pull, put in enough fuel to get to cruising altitude, you're never going to experience momentum. And momentum is actually where things get a hell of a lot easier. You, some of you have been in a momentum at various things in your life at one point where you just put it in lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of effort, and then all of a sudden it just gets easier because you're realizing that a lot of the things that were hard for you before aren't hard for you now. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Do you relate to what I'm saying? So I want you to write that point down. Everything in life worth having takes longer to earn than you think it should. 
The last part's the most important part. Then you think it should. Because everybody believes in overnight success. Everybody believes in the, you know, millennial millionaire. Every and if you go on all this social networking things and you look at all these pictures, I mean it's ridiculous. I had somebody recently tried to get Julie and I to do more Instagram posts, and he, they gave me some examples of what Instagram uh, stuff gets followers. And it's pictures of millennials, like just you know, sitting in thrones and you know, standing in front of obviously not their jets and leaning on Bentleys. And I, no, not doing it. <laughs> no, that's gross. If that's what you guys, that's not, that's fake. That's called a lie. Not going to participate in that. Not going to participate in the illusion of success. Not going to participate in the uh, the illusion of uh, you know making yourself feel like you're somehow you know better somehow you have a you know because you're leaning on a Bentley you're better than the person that's leaning on a Hyundai you know two Instagram posts later this is just ridiculousness this is all fakery this is not real this is not how you become successful relying on things like social networking and all this other stuff so guys listen we're going to go over more points tomorrow hopefully we're delivering this information in such a way that we cut through all the noise. I know that the noise, especially this time of year, for, to grab your attention is absolutely just overwhelming sometimes. The emails, the speakers, the people telling you to form a team, people telling you to work on your brand, people telling you to form a you know, website, which CRM are you going to buy? All that stuff is just noise. It's just absolutely unnecessary garbage noise that you could opt out of if you choose to. You don't have to pay attention to any of it. I was in an interesting conversation, and, and I'm going to wrap the show up today. And I'm going to talk more about this in the next couple of days, where someone was asking me about building their brand. And this was an agent that was a Midland producer, like $10 to $15 million a year. And this lady had gone to some branding conference and was told that she has to have a logo and has to have this and the other thing, and her, her brand is everything. And her, what, So I asked her, well, what will branding – what exactly do you hope for it to do? What is it going to do for you? Didn't have an answer. Told me what the branding person trying to sell her a bunch of branding garbage told her. I said, well, so you're telling me that this is somehow going to enhance your reputation in the eyes of your potential consumers. Is that what your belief is? And she said, well, yes. I mean, all my competitors have branding, and they're doing Instagramming, and they're doing social networking, and I'm getting all these yahoos that are calling me constantly and trying to tell me that you know, I need to update my Twitter account, and I need garbage, garbage, garbage. So I said, well, so if your belief is that you need to be doing these things in order for you to be successful in real estate. And she said, yes. So what's the difference, my question, what's the difference between reputation and brand? And she, you know, she was probably in her 30s. I didn't ask, I'm guessing. And she was confused about what the definition between reputation and brand is. Brand, so reputation is something you get over a long period of time, in this business at least, from having helped a lot of other people accomplish their goals. That would be your buyers and sellers. When you are successful at helping other people accomplish their goals, then you have a brand that comes naturally and organically of being the person that can solve other people's problems. Did you listen to what I just said? Because it helped her. It made, it real, made her realize she's about to spend 7500 bucks on just a whole suite of garbage. And I explained to her, she probably already has a great reputation or she wouldn't be selling the real estate she's selling. She didn't have a particularly high sale price. It was like 250 And she was selling quite a few homes, like you know, 45 a year. So she obviously has a good reputation. She has a reputation of someone who can get the job done. Then she asked me, okay, so why is it that all these people are, are you know, promoting branding? Why is it that I'm giving so much pressure to start branding? And, and the, my answer was simple, because they think they can shortcut the work it took to build a great reputation. 
You guys understand what I'm saying? Because the illusion, the lie, and it is a lie, is that somehow through branding, you can somehow make it so that you have the same reputation as someone who's earned it like she had from having helped a lot of other people accomplish their goals. I want you guys to really develop a great sixth sense for bullshit because you are going to get hit over the head so frequently with so much bullshit because everybody out there is trying to sell you something that's going to somehow miraculously save you from having to do the real work in real estate. Have you noticed that? Isn't that hilarious? I'm, gonna, I'm hopefully not going to get on too much of a soapbox talking about CRMs, but there's another big black hole. Oh, you have to have some long, you know, big database of people that you're dripping on, big database. So we had, a, we had one of these big CRM guys on our uh, podcast. This is probably two years ago. This was in the, one of the only times someone threatened to sue me after a podcast, by the way, which was awesome. So true story. He's on the podcast. I'm not going to say his name. Um, and his, he was just, you know, we were talking, we were talking about, you know, he was very analytical. And I knew my numbers. I'd done my homework. I knew about CRMs. I knew about long-term lead follow-up. I knew about all that stuff. And here, I'll give you guys the punchline. Long-term lead follow-up is bullshit, okay? Thinking that you could form a, deep, a database and drip on people and that's somehow going to be enough business to matter <laughs> is a lie. And yet, how many people are out there telling you that? How many people are out there trying to sell you CRMs? These are people that have never sold real estate before. These are people that have formed a CRM and a lot of times the root uh, software and these CRMs is the same. And all they do is they enhance it and they basically then make it look like a real estate app and then they sell it to you guys on a subscription basis. That's what most of these CRM companies are. But what they're doing is they're trying to get you to believe in the illusion of long-term lead follow-up as being a way to build your business. And every single credible research that's ever been done by everybody, Inman did the best article on this ever written forever ago. Uh, Teak Williams, or Teak, uh, Teak, 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 I think it's Wiggins. Teak Wiggins was the author. I loved it. Maybe three years ago, the article essentially proved that long-term lead follow-up was complete crap. And he based his research partially on a research that National Association of Realtors did. So doing these long-term drip campaigns that you guys are com in combined spending, I'm, God knows how much, hundreds of millions of dollars a year on, it just is an utter waste of money. And yet, how many of you right now are thinking and worrying about your CRM or your long-term lead follow-up campaign for leads? Not just for, I'm not talking centers of influence and past clients here, guys. I'm talking about leads. You bought a lead. You get a lead from some sort of you know, social networking campaign that also costs you money. And then these fools tell you, well, you just drop that lead into a long-term lead follow-up campaign and you nurture them. You email them. You, you know, spam them basically. And over time, you're going to form some sort of relationship. They're going to buy a house from you. You believe that, don't you? It's a lie. But you want to believe it. Why? Why do you want to believe the lie? I know why. Because you don't want to do the real work in real estate. Because you want to believe there's a shortcut. There's an easy button. Sorry. Not going to do it. Not going to participate in it. These guys call us, email us. I should start posting these emails. Offering us money, sponsored shows. That's a big thing they ask for. They pay us five grand just for me to put them on a podcast. Or they want to have an article written on them. Or they want to have some sort of affiliate relationship. When we do affiliate relationships, which we do, it's because we really know the product's not BS. And there's only like six or eight companies Julie and I have affiliate relationships with because I'm not going to ever, Julie and I will never suggest you guys do easy button things because they're all gimmicks. They're all scams. Now, not 100% scams, but they're like 98% scams. And they rely on all, all their marketing based on the 2% that isn't a scam. But you have to have the common sense 
to think, like, does it make sense? The first filter you need to have in place is, is this person who is trying to sell me this idea, are they trying to sell into my desire to not have to do what I don't want to do when I don't want to do it at the highest level? Have they used the word easy? Have they used the word, you know, any words that would imply that I don't have to, you know, feel like a salesperson or have sales? You guys get it? All they're doing is selling into your weakness. The whole industry, the whole industry, there's, you know, if you go to in, an Inman event and look at all the vendors, all of those companies have only come about in like the last 10 or 15 years. Some of them are good. Most of them are bad. And you're going to walk through there, and you're going to, and all of them are like venture funded, and they're the greatest thing forever. Look how many of these companies have come and gone in the last ten years. We could talk forever about all these. You know, you guys get all geeked up. You're you're hearing about some new trend or some technology that's going to somehow corner the market. You're going to get every you know bestseller in the market. Nope, never works. Guys, get it? You got to stop believing that there's an easy way to the path to the top. And the reason that you do that. It's because you, going back to point number two, have not simply accepted the fact that everything takes longer than you think it should take. And so when you're trying to learn how to be a powerful listing agent and you get punched in the face a few times, <laughs> not literally, but when that happens and you lose, you quit. You never allow yourself to build the momentum necessarily to get up to you know, cruising altitude. See, I'm pointing in this point. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> Come on, guys. You know what I'm saying is true. You know what we're telling you is common sense. It is. You know what we're telling you is the rest, right thing for you to do. Stop internally allowing yourself to battle with the facts of how you become long-term successful in real estate. Go and listen to now the hundreds of past podcasts Julie and I have done interviewing folks and listen to what they say. Not all of them are, are coaching clients, by the way. Uh, Tarek uh, Elmusa is who, you know, you guys know him, he's quite famous, who was on our podcast last week. He's not a podcast listener, but he knew, you know, Julie and I have crossed paths with him before, you know, what she talks about, which I didn't remember, but I remember now. Really, really sweet guy, actually. You guys should listen to the podcast from last Friday. But not only that, there's literally hundreds of past podcasts that we've done. They're available on iTunes. They're over on timandjulieharris.com. Do yourself a favor and start absolutely consuming the content that we're putting out there and then become a coaching client. Don't waste time. Don't think, well, Tim, I just don't have the money right now. I need to wait. Uh, hello. I just told you that we're, we we're working with a lender where you can with, it does not, it, your credit rating could be zero. <laughs> you could just have gotten your real estate license and you can get a premier coaching. You want to find out about that. Okay. You definitely don't want to waste time on that. You can just go to timandjulieharris.com and you can just click on coaching, look for premier coaching. That's the easy button for you guys to get an unfair advantage in your marketplace. That's what you want. Don't screw around thinking that somehow a pretty website's going to get you there, which again, I'm not going to allow myself to rant on the pretty website thing, but I did get a lot of emails last week because there's several new companies that have come into the real estate marketplace. They're trying to sell your websites here. I'll summarize it. Again, National Association of Realtors did a brilliant bunch of research on this, and guess what they determined? That agents get an average of zero leads from their pretty agent websites. Zero leads. Uh, you know, zero is like less than none. Or basically, it's none. It's less than one. And how, many, how much money and how much pressure are you putting on yourself right now to do an agent website? You're not going to get anything from it. So if you feel so compelled to have a website, this won't work either, but if you want to do it, I like it because it's free. Just get a business page on Facebook. Seriously, just do that. It, it, look, you won't get any leads from it. I'm not saying you will. Really, the best place for you to get leads that's free, uh, at least stay in contact with centers of influence and past clients, those types of leads, the ones that are actually worth chasing, that's going to be your personal page on Facebook. 
because that actually is going to be more effective than a business page. It's free, right? You don't need all this other crap. Guys, please listen to what we're saying. This is going to be 2020, 2022, 2021, probably the next three to five years. It's going to be, if you actually take it seriously and stay drilled down, can be the years where everything in your life, and even the, you could even create a different trajectory for your kids, for you know, people you choose to give money to, people you indirectly and directly have influence on because of your success. You just don't know what can come from you putting forth extraordinary effort and allowing yourself, allowing yourself for the first time maybe ever, if we're being honest, to get up to cruising altitude and enjoying the view because, guys, it's worth doing. So we're going to talk more about these points tomorrow. If you are ready to join EXP, I want you to EXP Realty, in our opinion, it's, I, I mean, this is so thoroughly researched, is without a doubt the best real estate brokerage out there for 99% of the agents. If you're ready to join EXP, you've already done your homework, you know it's for you, you're done procrastinating, you just need maybe a couple questions answered, text me directly, 512-758-0206. If you're EXP curious, you're just getting started, maybe a little bit better than that, I want you to just go ahead and text the word Harris, H-R-E-A, I forgot how to spell my last name, H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996. And yeah, guys, let's pick this conversation up tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you show, on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Thank you.